Good morning, everyone. Do uh, turn your Bibles back to Malachi. That'll be very helpful for you to do that. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for your word, that it uh, brings life, that it gives us life through your son, the Lord Jesus. And we pray you continue to do that mighty work among us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, have you experienced faithfulness in another person? What was it like? And how much better was it than compared with when you've experienced unfaithfulness? Uh, Maybe a faithful friend comes to mind for you, uh, the one who persevered and stuck with you through the most difficult of times, through trauma or stress or heartache when really there was nothing in it for them, uh, but they were still there for you. And maybe your experience was with a faithful workmate who said what, uh, did what they said and uh, what they did lined up with what they said. Maybe for you it was uh, buying something and there's expectations, there's a contract, there are promises and it went ahead well. Or if something went wrong... They fixed it in a timely way. And what would other people say of you? How would they describe your faithfulness to them? When faithfulness is a part of life, uh, life together is so much better, isn't it? Uh, When I can trust what you say and you, me, and when we agree on something and follow through with it, it is good, isn't it? It is good. On the other hand... Unfaithfulness can be a very, very unpleasant experience. Uh, Think about it for a moment with me. What is is faithfulness? Uh, Isn't it saying what you mean, doing what you say, and fulfilling your responsibility uh, in what you do? Unfaithfulness is the opposite, isn't it? Uh, And that makes living or working together or buying and selling things together fraught and awful. And unfaithfulness and those things going wrong can be very much a part of our everyday experience as well. And so uh, I don't don't wish to be cynical about different people groups or different uh, roles that people have, Uh, But if we took a survey of 100 people, uh, what would be our top answer of people uh, who are unfaithful in what they say and do? Politicians, perhaps? Uh, They do it because they're trying to keep a huge and varied group of people on side. What would be the next top answer? The media, perhaps? Because selling content is a bigger deal for them uh, than accurate reporting narcissists do it because for them it's all about them and other people are just pawns that they can move around to their own ends. But when we talk about these people, and I'm sure you can think of others, uh, none of us should be too smug because we can all be unfaithful when it suits us. And it tends to happen when we're under the pump or afraid of embarrassment or ashamed or just plain 
proud. It's the human condition. It's sin. In fact, someone asked me this week, uh, if, you were, if you were trying to explain sin to someone, uh, what, what might you say? And, and I was able to, uh, talking with them, come up with three words, three words to describe sin. I know better. Is that a helpful way of thinking about it? I know better. Uh, playing out in what we do and what we think, I know better than you, I know better than God. Uh, that's the very attitude uh, that sin has. But the gift of God and the great reversal he's won for us is that we can be forgiven for our I know better lives and wonderfully transformed so we may turn away from living that way. And indeed, God's word to us this morning in Malachi chapter 2, verse 10 to 16, is very much a part of the way in which God will do that work in us. And as we come to it, this is the third of six, what should we call them? Uh, they're debates. They're debates where uh, when God speaks, uh, you know who's right. Uh, this is the third of them. And and the whole passage, what it's really driving at, and keep this in mind as we read through it together, it's saying, say what you mean, do what you say, and fulfil your responsibility to do. And by God's gracious work in us, uh, so must we be faithful as he has shown himself to us. By the way, I was thinking uh, as we come to this passage, it could be like it'd be completely understandable if uh, you thought, well, this is going to be a sermon on marriage. Uh, but let me say that's true and it's not true. What I mean is it enfolds marriage under its umbrella, but actually it speaks of a faithfulness that everyone can experience and imitate through the Lord Jesus. So uh, keep an eye out as we go through to see the, the wider implications. Now, uh, reading this passage today, I'm going to use three handy questions that are useful wherever you're, uh, you are in the Bible and that we've talked about a number of times here in church. The first is, uh, what did it mean for them then? The second one, how does it point to Jesus the third one, united with Jesus, what does it mean for us today? And the answers to those questions are actually going to be uh, the outline of where we're headed today. Uh, and the first is, God is faithful, so must you be. The second, Jesus is the keeper of all God's promises, and the third, through him, so must we be faithful. Now, we had a, uh, that great little voiceover update, didn't we, <clears throat> of where Malachi is speaking at the end of the Old Testament and what had happened since God had saved his people, since he'd made his covenant with them. Have you, covenant's a word that we, we've been hearing in Malachi and we hear throughout the Bible. Uh, have you ever thought for yourself, what is it? What does it mean? Uh, it's really quite simple. It's a contract a contract between two people or two parties. Actually, it's as simple as uh, saying you will do something. 
and following through with it. And so Israel had reached this mountaintop experience in the days of King David. Then they had, uh, the wheels had fallen off because they hadn't honoured, they hadn't been faithful to him, they hadn't obeyed uh, the terms of the covenant. And so they had been punished. But all these years after they had returned, they are returning to that uh, wrong way uh, of responding to God. How? Well, let me read from 2 verse 10 uh, together again. I'm gonna, you're going you're to follow my signal because I can't press two buttons at once to tell you what I need. Thank you, Anton. Uh, here we go. Do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary of the Lord by marrying women who worship a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, the Lord may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, and even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favour on your offering or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. So it's the prophet here speaking uh, on this particular occasion. It's the covenant that God had made with the forefathers of Israel, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob's offspring, uh, that's being talked about. And remember, he had chosen them not because of anything they had done, but simply because he chose to bless them. He'd given his word to them. He'd made this extraordinary covenant uh, that he would free them from slavery, that he would bless them, that he would forgive them and give them the life that God had always intended humanity to live. This is a covenant that we need God to keep. But it had expectations for them as well. They'd agreed to worship him only. Uh, that as the God of the, the whole world is set apart and holy, that they would be set apart and holy too. And God had, God had explained how to do that. He'd given them instructions of how to do that. And that included... Uh, well, it included this instruction uh, that's being referred to today that harks back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Let's have a look at that together. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you uh, many nations, the Hittites, Gershites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, a uh, big thank you to all our Bible readers out there who read out loud. Uh, seven nations larger and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Now, this is not a, a, a passage promoting racism. It's actually reflecting the very character and nature of sin and what it means to be God's people and God's children as opposed to being outside of God's people and God's 
children. And the problem was the experience that Malachi is speaking into is that the men of Israel had tired of their wives and were divorcing them because they wanted to update to a newer model. Uh, and, and I put it like that, it sounds callous, but in a sense, it doesn't it capture the heart? Treating other people like things that you can move around as you see fit. For the rush and the apparent reward of something or someone different. And so uh, that great tragedy, tragedy is affecting, uh, at this time, the people's relationship with God. Uh, God speaks through the prophet of the sanctuary, of the temple, uh, being desecrated. And he he doesn't mean like when the Romans came along and sacrificed uh, totally inappropriate animals there or walked into the place where no one was meant to go. In fact, the Israelites were still doing the sacrifices according to God's instruction, but with one gaping hole. They appeared to be doing what God wanted but they were so, their hearts were so far away from him. And that's what they're doing here. By their flagrant unfaithfulness to their wives, they were being flagrantly unfaithful to the Lord. And that made an entire mockery of their so-called sacrifices. And what I see here in this passage... I wonder if you noticed it as well. There's a chorus of the Christian life showing itself here again. That is, how you treat other people is a reflection of how you are responding to God. Uh, You know, the great commandment, love your neighbour, is actually an expression of loving your God. Now here, like the other debates, he plays out their denial with one word this time, the question, verse 14, why? Why haven't their sacrifices been accepted? Why haven't they received renewed forgiveness from the Lord? And he gives them his answer. It's a reinforcement. They're going through the motions, but they are not being faithful to him. He's talking about marriage here, but actually the very nature of what's involved has much wider uh, effect than just that, which we'll come back to in a minute. So let me read on from verse 14. Uh, I hope you've got it in front of you. Uh, You ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner the wife of your, do you notice it here, marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful and so what we see here is it's it's the courtroom of God he's sitting as judge he's judging their behavior and he's finding it uh, wanting uh, and and acting on the terms of the covenant the contract of you know taking away the blessings but bringing on them the curses Uh, 
It's the I know better attitude, isn't it? Playing out in them. Uh, but that is not acceptable to God. In fact, he even goes on to say, you know, well, he's actually said it in the, uh, in the past. That, you know, we have one father. It's not like uh, you are any different to your spouse, more deserving, uh, or should expect to be treated uh, with an exemption from acting faithfully. And the result will be, well, actually, this is God's plan for raising children, for raising little people as disciples of Jesus to adults, adult disciples, sorry, of, of God, uh, disciples of God, adult disciples of God. And do you see the clarity with which God speaks, the responsibility husbands have, that their failure does violence to his wife when he should protect her. And so we hear, be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Unfaithfulness to other people is an expression of unfaithfulness to God. But as he is the promise-keeping God, so we as his people may keep our promises and word as well. Now, uh, unless the Lord had done something uh, even <clears throat> more extraordinary than the way he had saved Israel, we would have no hope of worshipping God in the way he expects. Our time here today would be fruitless and without hope. I'd encourage you, if that were the case, to be off doing something else. But it's not because of how this word from God points us to Jesus. Uh, and so we're going to answer the second question as we hear God's word. And I want to uh, just rem remind you, do you remember the, uh, when uh, the covenant of God is mentioned in the Last Supper, uh, which we uh, often hear when we share in the Lord's Supper? So uh, just have a look at this verse uh, from that wider context in Luke 22, verse 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so what Israel could not do, the one true Israelite, the Lord Jesus, does himself. He is obedient. He is faithful. He never took the path of, I know better. Instead, what were his words in the garden on the eve of his death? Not my will, but yours be done. And so he took on the punishment, the covenant punishment for all of us who would trust the Lord Jesus. He is trustworthy in your life and in mine, when we and every other person are untrustworthy, he is faithful in place of our faithlessness. And through his resurrection to life, uh, as Dave said when we shared in the confession, we might still sin in this age until Jesus returns, but we are confident that in him too we are forgiven. And how is our relationship in this new covenant, how is it described in a way that, that seems very, very familiar to us? 
It's as a marriage. It's as a marriage. And so we read in uh, Ephesians 5 where Paul has been talking to husbands about how they should lovingly lead their wives as servants and wives as they should receive and, uh, and follow their husband's loving servant leadership. And he goes on to say this, After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. He goes on to quote Genesis 2, which is about the first marriage. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And then he says, this is a profound mystery. Why? But I am talking about Christ and the church. He's actually saying our marriages were put in place by God in his kindness to point us to this great and ultimate marriage. We together is his church with Jesus as our Lord. Promises made and at great cost and despite the circumstances, promises kept. Now that's what it the way in which uh, Jesus, uh, uh, this passage points us to Jesus and we see him fulfilling and keeping uh, uh, the promises of God. And what it brings as we hear Malachi to, uh, today is, is a reality check for us, a reality check of our own condition, of our own circumstances, of the seriousness of living our lives in the I know better way. Uh, but at the same time, what we, we hear as we read it, uh, recognising Jesus' fulfilment of it, is that what we couldn't do for ourselves, he has done for us. And united to him, we're not just called to be faithful, which is what God's word, and as I repeat God's word to us this morning, are calling on, but we can be even to the point of turning back and trusting Jesus' sacrificial death when we are faithless. Uh, Because even when we are faithless, Jesus is faithful because he cannot deny himself. And so the big picture, uh, the place this is driving us to, in fact, it reflects the whole of God's word in the Bible, uh, is that God is the one who says what he means, who does what he says and he fulfills what he is responsible to do. And in him, as his children, we may too. So what does that look like? Through him, uh, well, we too must be faithful. And because the passage uh, uh, is talking about marriage as it does, Uh, I'll speak about marriage first, but remember, what did I say? Uh, Whether you are single or married, uh, this is a passage that speaks to all of us today. But for for those who are married or might be in the future, what God's word says here is, do everything you have your responsibility to do uh, to be faithful to your spouse. Now that's That's easy when circumstances are going your way, isn't it? Or when you're being asked to do something you want to do. I I was reflecting, every time I go to a wedding, 
uh, and here the promises, and uh, I brought a copy of uh, the Anglican promises here, I'm reminded of how well they reflect uh, the character of marriage. Uh, they remind me of just how, uh, when I made those promises, I had no idea what I was really saying. Uh, you know, it talks about uh, promising uh, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, to love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. <clears throat> I said I would do that, but I had no idea the extent of the highs and lows that would come. And yet we are called on, whatever the circumstances, whatever the busyness or the pressures, uh, to act with faithfulness to our spouse in the little things because all the little things also add up to the medium-sized things and the big things keeping our word uh, being reliable being consistent unfaithfulness begins a long time before someone is off with uh, someone else from outside their marriage and divorce in our community it's normal and what's more often the case than not is that there's someone lined up to hook up with one of the people because things were disintegrating long before the day it became obvious outside the home. And the other thing that, uh, that pains me, uh, grieves me, is the impact uh, uh, our failure of faithfulness can have uh, for children. Uh, we live in a community which has a vicious cycle of greed and doing more work and also separation and divorce and stress and abuse. And God is calling you and I to live counterculturally, uh, to not buy the lie of those temptations that offer in the short term something which is nothing by comparison to the opportunities we have to be faithful to one another and be faithful to God. Now, uh, when we've talked about this topic before, and it's, a, it's one that comes with great joy and with the joy at times great pain, uh, this, we are talking today about uh, fulfilling your responsibilities in marriage to the extent that you have responsibility and have opportunity. Uh, there are times uh, when that is taken away from us. There are times where it is not safe to stay in a marriage. And so let me just uh, remind us again that the best thing that we can do is be faithful to our spouse, uh, but we don't always have control over whether our marriage stays together or whether we're safe in it and so uh, may need to leave. To the extent that you are involved, be faithful in marriage. But this word from God today is not just about marriage. I've said that once or twice, haven't I? Uh, it is... It's an incredible word that to the married, to the single, 
it says, just as God is the God who uh, says what he means, does what he says, uh, fulfills his responsibility to do them, so too must we, as we reflect the family image. Uh, I haven't got a photo up to put up, but if you, uh, if you see my uh, sons at some time, I think Dave helpfully did it for us a week or two ago, uh, uh, my poor kids have some resemblance to me. Uh, they're in the family image. We as God's children, uh, there is nothing uh, negative about being in the image of God as people who keep our word, who do what we say, who fulfil our promises even when the circumstances have changed. Uh, I was reflecting on this, uh, and as we get younger, and younger generations, perhaps uh, generationally, we're more attuned to the fear of missing out. You know, I've got a better offer, but I said I would do this for someone. Or, the other way you see it, is not agreeing to anything until all the offers are on the table. Maybe some of our generations are affected by that as well. Friends, let us be people who worship God by doing what we say, by saying what we mean, and by fulfilling our responsibilities to each other, whether at work or as friends, as neighbours, in our household, in our families, as parents to children, as children to parents. In a world where lying has not just become something that uh, we experience in the everyday, but has been elevated to leaders and the international stage where one thing happens and people completely deny reality or having any hand in it, where the very definition of gaslighting is, is being told things of one way when they're the opposite, when undermining uh, trust and lawyering, lawyering being a, law, a lawyer, uh, is more about winning the argument than getting to the truth. That's the climate we live in. But we can and we must and we trust the one, the Lord Jesus, who has embodied faithfulness itself and wonderfully empowers us to be faithful to one another as well. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank and praise you that despite our I know better attitude, you have been so faithful to your good plans, purposes and promises. Help us, we pray, to see the glory of your faithfulness in all that we do and experience and may your spirit at work in us shape our trust that we trust you and that we are trustworthy with each other as brothers and sisters and to those beyond our church for we know the one who embodied faithfulness itself, and we thank you for him. In Jesus' name, amen.